0: I am so glad to be a part of this sermon series called Factory Reset because I'm one of those people who needs a reset and today on video I believe that a lot of our youth are going to be watching this sermon and one of those youth would be young Mason Easley who knows that his mom even yesterday could have used a little factory reset. Sometimes those little things just get to bugging you, right? And you maybe, it it gets bigger than life, you know? Maybe that stuff in the fridge that shouldn't have gone out of the freezer into the fridge and seemed like it was going to go bad before we ever used it. Maybe I was so upset about that because tomorrow would have been my mom's birthday and she's gone and she's not here to celebrate it. And I have to preach four times today, and I get kind of scared and nervous and wound up, and I have too many words to say, and they're not going to fit in the 20 minutes. So, Mason, I'm sorry, but we're going to reset. That's what Sunday's about. It's an opportunity to come back into relationship with God and be reminded who God is and who we are. So we get to be a part of this amazing thing that God's doing in the world called the church. We get to be the people of God. And today, Super Bowl Sunday, my husband told me that I should mention Super Bowl Sunday, so there it was, today, Super Bowl Sunday, we're going to take a close look at something that Jesus said. Now actually, I do have a sports analogy that kind of anchors this sermon, and it's part of another team sport, one that you may not have watched in a while, it is bobsledding. Okay? I love bobsledding. It's a great team sport. I've never done it myself, but it looks really, really fun, doesn't it? They go so fast. So in this sport, there's uh, roles for each teammate. There's a two-man bobsled, two women also. There's a four-man. Only men do the four-man, which is my favorite. Because what you have is you have all four folks. Uh, at, at the beginning, they're pushing the sled, and then they start to jump in one after the other. One is the steering person, and then in the back, you've got the braking person. And they go so fast. At the start, the teammate's goal is to do this work. You'll see them like, pushing the sled, and they're the kind of uh, runners that are just those, have those amazing sprinter's thighs. Like, hey, I could do the, you know, 100-yard dash in seconds, uh, like under 10 or something like that. But this sport starts with work, and it ends. It looks like rest to me. They're just all in the little sled going down the chute. It's not four whole quarters of hitting and shoving and fouls and, you know, it's really different than football. So Jesus said, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. N.T. Wright translates the passage this way, are you having a real struggle? Come to me. Are you carrying a big load on your back? Come to me, I will give you rest. Come to me, you who are tired, who are managers. You who, fashionable women who get worn out just trying to decide what to wear. That was me. Come to me, you pressured teenagers watching on video. You who are scared about tests and friends and college admissions. Come to me, you wealthy who fear that you'll lose what you've socked away and you with a fixed income who are worrying that it's not enough to last. Come to me, you who have debts that you can't figure out how to repay. Come to me, you who are tired and burdened. Come to me, you who cannot sleep, who are anxious in the middle of the night. Come to me. Jesus calls us to himself. While serving as the chaplain of the U.S. Senate, Richard Halverson made an observation about just how easy it is to lose touch with this pronoun, me. He talked about how that's happened through history, saying this, Christianity began on Palestinian soil as a relationship with a person. On Greek soil, Christianity became a philosophy, perhaps the most all-encompassing of all philosophies. On Roman soil, Christianity became an institution, the church. It's supposed to be the most redemptive and life-giving of all institutions. On American soil, Christianity became an enterprise, the grandest imaginable enterprise, restoring the entire universe. Here we call it God's rescue operation to the world. But Christianity, at its essence, is a person. It's a relationship with the person of Jesus. Jesus says, Come to me. Scott Dudley often repeats the phrase, Keep the main thing, the main thing. The main thing here is the person of Jesus. Come to Jesus. Don't just think about Jesus. Don't just do things for Jesus. Don't just read about Jesus. Don't just watch the faith of another person who believes in Jesus. Come to Jesus. Sometimes we need this reset. We need what sometimes in our family we call a come-to-Jesus meeting. Have you heard of something like that? Come-to-Jesus meetings are times when you come to Jesus. You get down to the bottom of the things. What's really going on? Let's get this thing figured out. Let's reveal ourselves to each other. Recently, someone made an appointment with me who I think was having one of these come-to-Jesus kind of moments in his life. I'm going to call him Steve. He came because he was concerned about the health crisis that he was facing. He was going through a lot of tests and awaiting test results, and the tests kept going on and on, and no diagnosis has come yet. And in these days that have become weeks... He found himself getting more and more anxious and more and more curious about where God was in the midst of this. He'd had kind of a vague notion of God, then he'd come to believe in the person of Jesus, but right now he had an acute need to meet Jesus in the midst of his fear. As he, Jesus was becoming more real to him, Steve found himself talking to God more, kind of praying more. And he said, Kendi, I've been telling God that I want to live, that I want to raise my young children, that I want to celebrate many anniversaries, and I want to grow old with my wife. And I'm just wondering, is it really okay to pray for what I want? Yes. Yes, it's really okay. It's really okay to let God know what you're hoping for, to let God know what you're afraid of, to let God know who you are. And Steve wondered, is it it okay? Like I have this sense that maybe it's not right, but the more I pray, the more I feel like I wanna be the person God wants me to be. I want God to shape my hopes. I want God to shape my dreams and the things that I long for. I want my prayers to be what God wants them to be. And that's amazing that in the midst of this challenging time, what's happening to Steve is he's starting to hear God's voice. He's starting to hear God giving input into his life and shaping it. Jesus says, come to me, open your heart to me. Let me know you. On Wednesday nights at our youth group up in the upper campus, students are invited to write down their prayers. They're coming to Jesus with open hearts. They're asking for prayers like this. I want to feel like I am worth my life and that I mean something deeper than just the guy who goes to school, church, and sports. I used to smoke, drink, and cut. I've stopped doing all those things now, but it's hard to see God working in my life. I always feel like I'm not good enough. Or this one, please help me with my grades. I'm filled with your love. If it weren't for you, my attempt of suicide would have worked. Help Dr. Dudley in Cambodia. They seem like such heavy burdens, don't they? Especially that help, Dr. Dudley. He comes back in a few days. We are praying for that Cambodia team. These burdens seem so heavy. How can it be that Jesus is calling us to have a light burden? Isn't that an oxymoron? One of those two-word combos that don't really go together. They don't really make sense. They kind of negate each other like jumbo shrimp. Or instant classic. Or I love this one, working holiday. (laughs) Or we have these sometimes at church, minor crises. Or seriously funny, really. Same difference, or that's a definite maybe. Easy yoke, light burden. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. What is this yoke? A yoke is a symbol of hard work. When I hear the word yoke, I picture this kind of big, wooden, heavy yoke, at least for one ox, like a big, burdened ox, or maybe two oxen. Maybe they're carrying a big, uh, you know, millstone. Yeah, it just all sounds so heavy. (laughs) A burden, I mean a yoke. In the Old Testament, the, yoke, the Torah was referred to as a yoke, the yoke of the law. There were like 600 and something little laws that felt like a yoke, a burden. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. What is this yoke? What's this easy yoke and how do we get it? Jesus says, learn from me. Learn how to be a child of God. Learn how to be my follower. My yoke is easy. It's fitting. The Greek word is crestus. When applied to people, this word crestus is translated kind. What would a kind yoke be? When it's applied to things, it could be translated fitting. This is a a fitting yoke, a custom-made yoke, if you will, one made just for you or just for me. Daryl Johnson, a great preacher that I admire and a professor at Regent, says this, about jesus yoke jesus yoke is his relationship with his father and his burden his burden is to walk in the will of god jesus lives to please his father nothing more and nothing less to live for an audience of one that's the yoke of jesus Before Jesus spoke these words, come to me, in Matthew 11, verse 25, we see that Jesus had been praising God. And he was praising God in a a moment when he'd been rejected by some cities. They They had said, you know, these folks, Jesus and his followers, they're either drunk or out of their minds. Let's get rid of them. And after that, Jesus goes into a time of worship. And he says, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you've hidden these things from the wise and learned, and you've revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, this was your good pleasure. It's like Jesus says, okay, totally failed in those cities, so God, that must have been your plan. Uh, And so thank you that we failed there because we're just going to go on to what else you have for me. In the midst of these problems in his ministry, or you could say in his business, Jesus is worshiping. And these words, come to me, emerge from this prayer. So Jesus himself is in worship, and it's like he remembers, oh yeah, I've got disciples. So he says, come to me. Come to me, all you, you over there who are burdened and heavy laden, like maybe feeling rejected, come into my praising. Come into my singing. Come into my delighting and my Father and my trusting. In his book, Blue Like Jazz, which I love, Donald Miller says this. I think I realized that if I walked up to Jesus' campfire. Now let's just hold on to that for a minute. If you walked up to Jesus' campfire, how cool would that be? If Jesus would like get a fire pit out in your backyard and you could just walk out there and meet with him, okay, that would be awesome. So this is what uh, Miller thinks Jesus would be like. He, he says, Jesus would ask me to sit down and he would ask me my story. He would take the time to listen to my ramblings or my anger until I could calm down. And then he would look me directly in the eye and he would speak to me. He would tell me the truth. And I would sense in his voice and the lines on his face that he liked me. He would rebuke me too. And he would tell me that I have prejudices that I need to deal with. He would tell me that there are poor people in the world and I need to feed them and that somehow this will make me happy. I think he would tell me what my gifts are and why I have them and he would tell me ideas on how I could use them. I think he would explain to me why my father left and he would point out very clearly all the ways God has taken care of me through the years, all the stuff God protected me from. Doesn't that sound like a great friend? Jesus would be the amazing friend you 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 long for. Jesus says, "In this, in this relationship, in this burden if you will of doing the will of God, you will find rest for your soul." It's an interesting turn of phrase, "you will find rest," not "you will be given," not "you'll be so exhausted that you'll rest." But you will find, it's, it's like it, Jesus knows it's something that we're looking for, that our souls are restless, and we long for this kind of rest, this peace, to know that we're, we're walking in the purpose that God has for us. You will find rest for your soul. If it were translated more directly, it might be that Jesus says, I will rest you. I will cause for you to be a rested person. It doesn't mean you'll sleep a lot. Interestingly, it it means you'll have rest. You'll You'll have a belonging. You'll have a deep awareness that you are with God, that God is for you, that the God of the universe is in you. Maybe we get so weary because we're wearing the wrong yokes. We're so overburdened because we're carrying the wrong burdens. It's like we're trying to push the bobsled uphill. That doesn't look fun, does it? You don't want your team of four to use all that muscle energy trying to push the bobsled uphill. It's never going to gain any momentum. If anything, it's going to roll back on you. You're going to be more burdened. Brendan Manning says, the good news means that we can stop lying to ourselves. We don't need to apply spiritual cosmetics to make ourselves presentable to God. We can accept where we are, not trying to push ourselves into something different. We can switch yokes. We can switch burdens and find rest for our souls. We can enter into this lifestyle of following Jesus, catching this rhythm of being open to God, of looking for God being at work. This is what happened to my friend Steve I was telling you about. So Steve was going along, kind of confessing his fears, confessing his longings, maybe even bargaining a little bit with God. Like, if you give me a longer life, Lord, I'll do whatever you need me to do. That's an okay prayer. So Steve was laying, kind of cuddling with his daughter, and he had his arm around his young daughter, and I'm sure she kind of thought he was thinking about her, which in a way he was because he was praying that he was going to get many more years. He was thinking about and kind of bringing to God his fears. And in the midst of this kind of intimate moment in his family life, Steve got this vision, this kind of quick. He said it was like three seconds. This vision of Jesus coming to him. And as Steve started to describe this to me, I thought, uh oh, I hope this isn't like an awareness that, that Steve's life's going to end because this is going to be a really hard conversation. But it wasn't that. Steve had this awareness that Jesus was coming to him and taking him by the hand and walking him sort of back in time until he was at this place. It was like a cave. It was a gathering of disciples. In fact, it was the disciples from the Bible. And Steve said, I just had this awareness that what Jesus was doing was introducing me to the other disciples, that I was part of that circle, that I belonged there, that Jesus wanted me to know that no matter what happened, This is the circle I could rest in." It's like the bobsled ride again. In that moment, when you get to the bottom of the hill, the whole team, there's this cheering and and that was the sense that Steve had, like, whoa, God has included me. I'm part of something. I can rest in this truth that I'm in a relationship with Jesus that's going to last all eternity. This relationship is the main thing. When do you experience that thrill? Maybe it's in worship, when we're singing, when we're praising. Maybe it's in the birth of a baby. Maybe it's hearing someone say, I love you. Maybe it's being at the right place at the right time. Maybe it's that time when you feel like your story, the thing that you have to say to someone is such an encouragement and a comfort to them. Maybe it's one of those divine appointments where you just happen to be standing in the line at the market and the the person behind you says something and you turn around and just say some little word of encouragement. Or someone says something like that to you. Maybe you're sowing a seed of faith. Maybe you've gotten to see God heal through your hand. What song would you sing when your soul is free? I think it would be something true and beautiful, something bigger than we could imagine. Imagine. If you haven't done it in a while, maybe now's the time to turn over to Jesus right where you are today. To come to Jesus, to ask him to be more real to you. To ask him to forgive you of your addiction to yourself and your own plans for yourself. Come to Jesus, maybe acknowledging that you do actually believe or trust in him, maybe for the first time. Open your heart Let yourself and your God know your heart. Meet with Jesus. Encounter the living God. Maybe today in communion, God wants to meet with you. Maybe today in anointing prayer, there's there's something that's bubbling up in you that that God needs to know. Maybe it's something you're, you're thrilled about. Maybe it's something you're fearful about. Let God know where you are and expect God's surprises. Look for God to show up. What are you going to cheer about this week? What's going to make your heart glad? What's going to make your heart sing? How do we find this rest that Jesus is talking about? Come to Jesus. Come and worship. Come to community. Yes, take physical rest, but take spiritual joy in the person of Jesus. How can we do it? Expect God to show up. Look for the thrill that God wants to give you. Hop in the sled. Go for the ride. Don't be the brake man. Give it all you've got. Say yes. Jump in. Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Please pray with me. Mighty God, you know our hearts, you know all the places of our lives that we prefer to keep hidden. You know where we're trying to do it ourselves and push that bobsled of our life uphill. And yet, our God, you love us and you invite us into relationship. So Lord, in the defeats of our life, we thank you that you are there. And in the victories of our life, we thank you for those, Lord, and we want to remember your presence and your joy because our greatest victories are your victories. So God, give each person in this room and each person watching online and up in the upper campus, give them a great spiritual purpose in their life that they could know that they are resting in you, that it's your power at work in us. Lord, that it's not up to us, it's up to you. And we thank you that you have called us to make the main thing, the main thing, a relationship with you. So come, Lord Jesus. Amen.